Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Picture Book Look Podcast. I'm Kim Chafee. And I'm Kirsty Call. Together we'll share some of our favorite picture books and chat with their creators to explore the journey from story idea to bookshelf. We'd love you to join us as we take a picture book look. Feeling stuck in your creative journey? Needing to change your narrative? Everything you want is possible. As a therapist-trained life coach for creatives, I'm excited to help authors like you create clarity and build self-confidence so you can achieve your dreams. Kirstie can help you get the drama out of your life and into your art. Visit kirstiencall.com. That's K-I-R-S-T-I-N-E-C-A-L-L.com and register for a free consultation today. Hooray! I can't wait for us to work together to get you where you want to be. Hey, Kirstie. Hey, Kim. So... Did your mom ever go away on trips when you were a kid? She did. Sometimes she would go and visit her mom in England. But it was so great because she would leave this little chart with a special note and a special toy or a piece of gum for every single day that she was gone. Oh, that's so sweet. It is. (laughs) Did it help you get through the days until she returned? It really did. But sometimes I missed her and was also just like frustrated that she was gone because it's hard for kids to understand that sometimes. It is. That is a hard thing for kids to understand. In the book, Mama and Mommy and Me in the Middle, written by Nina LaCour and illustrated by Keilani Juanita, Mommy leaves for a week and the little girl shows a roller coaster of emotions. She sure does. We're excited to talk to Nina all about her creative process. Let's get started. So we know that you're a very accomplished YA writer and this is your first picture book. So can you tell us where you got the idea to write this book? Yes. So I have always wanted to write a picture book, but it's one of those realms that just kind of felt out of reach for me. Like I do really, I am like a long form fiction writer. So it was, (laughs) I thought, you know, how will I ever learn to do this? But I have the great, like just joy of being on the faculty at Hamlin University's low residency master's program for writing for children and young adults, which is a mouthful. That's a mouthful, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yes. But um, I've just been able to be on this faculty and learn from these incredible, experienced um, picture book writers. And one of the best things about being on faculty is even though I was hired for YA, I got to sit in on all of the lectures from my picture book writer colleagues and learn from them. Um, People like Phyllis Root and Jacqueline Briggs Martin, who have just been writing picture books for decades and are just so, so inspirational and generous with their knowledge. And so it was actually in one of their lectures, Um, Phyllis and Jackie would often lecture together. And um, they had us do a writing exercise and I was just joining along and doing it. And I thought, 
you know, maybe I could figure out how to do this. But it was kind of a long circuitous path from there to find the right story. And then once I did, I, well, this is getting into a lot of detail, but <laughs> I wrote it in, in like, really like a long prose form first, like a short story more. Okay. Um, and then was like, what, what do I do with this? Like, I, I feel like there's the heart of a story there, but I don't know what to do with it. And I showed it to Phyllis and she said, what if you broke apart the lines and wrote it more like a poem? And so then I undertook this process of editing it and it ended up being the text that we have now. Well, we love it. Where did you get the idea for this book? As writers, we like spend a lot of time at home, right? Not not traveling, just like living a normal home life. And so at that time, I would be home with my daughter. And my wife was the parent who traveled a lot for work. And she had a job that took her on the road almost every week for at least a couple of days. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So I was used to being like the parent who was always home. And then I had the experience of going on book tour, and also of going um, to, to teach at this low residency program. I live in San Francisco. So to go to Minnesota and teach for a while. And so suddenly I was the parent who was traveling and leaving my daughter at home with my wife. And it felt like such a huge role reversal. It was incredibly hard for me to do it. I just, I am a person with a lot of anxiety and like attachment issues. Yes. <laughs> I slowly raised my hand. <laughs> totally. yeah. So yeah, so it was such such a challenge, but also such a beautiful thing because you know my wife Kristen didn't have much experience being home by herself with our daughter, and so I would be you know off doing book things or teaching and get these like adorable texts with pictures of the cute things they were doing and you know, all these updates. And I realized how special it was for them to have time at home together and how this role reversal was actually like a really sweet thing. Um, but then I really wanted to honor like the emotional life of the child and what it feels like when something is just a little off about their home routine. And so I chose to really kind of focus in on that and think about like, what are the little tiny daily things that are different when one parent is, is gone for a little while? What does that, what does that feel like? What's special and what's hard and everything in between. Kim and I were talking about that earlier. We really love those details. We don't need to buy the blueberries because mommy's not yeah. here and noticing those little things that make a big difference for a kid. Yeah. Emily Jenkins, who writes by E. Lockhart um, for her YA, she was also on the faculty at Hamlin and she gave this lecture that was all about the emotional life of the child. And it just really moved me. And I felt like we just read all of these old picture books and example after example. And I found that I was really drawn to the stories that are just like really zoomed in, like that feels so internal for that experience of being a kid in the world. And I feel like that's what I do in my fiction, like my longer fiction too. I'm, I'm very internal and I try to get at those truths. And so it's cool to, to think about it from the perspective of such a young child. Yes. Well, and those are the books you remember, right? The ones that resonate with you deeply are the ones that you keep coming back to over and over again and that you remember. And I think that's something that all authors really should should aim for. So you have this great manuscript and it gets acquired. Were you part of the illustrator selection process at all? I was shown illustrators who Candlewick was excited about. There were a bunch of portfolios 
but they said like, we really think Kehlani Juanita is the right choice. And I saw her work and I was like, absolutely. That's a wonderful choice. (laughs) So (laughs) So beautiful. Yeah. It was an incredibly easy process, um, to choose her. And I'm just so thrilled. She really just, I mean, it's like the sweetest book, (laughs) you know, I just, I love the little, like the strawberry print and the blueberry and like the fruit salad for the little girl on her, you know, on her little dress and all of the flowers and butterflies and bees. I just, I mean, just thinking about the life of a child and what they notice. I do think that children notice these details so well, they're not like looking at their phones or preoccupied, right? They're in the moment and they're noticing all of the little magical things all around. And Kehlani just captured it so beautifully. Agreed. She did such, it's beautiful. It's stunning. It really is. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Can you give us a deeper look into your writing process for this particular story? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I can tell you a whole funny, like I went on a big tangent, which actually is really interesting now that I think about it, especially like from a writer, because I do a lot of teaching. So like from a writer teacher perspective, it's like Mm -hmm. I did exactly the opposite of what I would advise my students to do, (laughs) (laughs) which is great. Like we're all learning from ourselves all the time, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I, I think like I had this little, I had this story in my mind, which was about a child missing a parent. Um, at that time, I was living in a town called Martinez in California, and it's a town where John Muir, the naturalist, lived for many, many years. And there's a beautiful house there called the John Muir House. And um, and he had two daughters, and he would leave for a really long time. And I read a lot of his writings and about how he would just travel. He felt the need to travel, and he would go travel everywhere. And so I thought, like, maybe I should write a story about John Muir's little girls, like these two little girls who lived in this house, and um, what it was like for them to have their father go away for so long. And so I started doing all of this research because the the John Muir house is a museum and it was right up the street from where I lived. And so I did hours and hours of research and I read all of these letters and um, just learned a lot about these two little girls who were really special children, you know, and um, and so I did all of this research and then I thought, wait a second, like. In all of this reading that I'm doing, I'm not finding anything about the indigenous people. Like John Muir goes all around, like to all of these places where like people lived, you know, (laughs) and he's like describing the nature and he's talking about preservation and about how like um, no human should live there or develop the land. And I thought like something is really missing. So then I had to fill in the gaps of my knowledge. And I learned that that John Muir really was not um, a friend to the the tribes. You know, he was not a friend. Um, Mm -hmm. He felt that no people should live on this land. And so he was behind, you know, making the indigenous people have to leave the land they had stewards of for so many, you know, so many years, unfathomable amount of years. 
um, in no, in my like mainstream education, I had never heard that at all. I'd only heard of him as this like naturalist who preserved land and we have him to thank for the national parks and everything. And so I had to think like, you know, first I thought, is there a way to incorporate this into the story and like talk about history in a way that is very real? Mm-hmm. Um, so like try to show like a whole person, um, And then I thought, no, this is a story about little girls missing a parent. Like, I'm not going to like, you know, it just, it didn't fit in, in my story. And so then I realized, why am I writing a story about like John Muir and his daughters when I could be writing a story about my own family? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And that's like that light bulb moment, right? And you're like, wait a minute. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it just, it was it was a, yeah, it was a total revelation. And then when I started doing it, it just felt so right, you know, and I, I had just really overcomplicated things. And I think I had lost touch with what I know to be true, which is that we all have these important stories to share. And just because my story is very small and felt very personal at the time, and, you know, that possibly it would feel insignificant to a wider audience, that's actually not true because we can all relate to this feeling of missing somebody, whether it's traveling for work or for any number of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, sometimes just like starting with like the internal personal stories is the right way to go. So that was kind of, that's the, the broader context. And then, <laughs> and then I just, I really pulled on so much of our real life and our routines. Like there is a part where the little girl walks past this, beautiful um house that's kind of just bursting with flowers everywhere and that was a a house that we passed almost every day when I walked my daughter to preschool back then and um we would we got permission from the owner to pick some flowers sometimes it was just this magical part of our daily routine and I thought about how fun it is to just put them return the library books to the slot and how even grocery store shopping can be an adventure and so mm-hmm. once I committed to just writing my own story um it it just really flowed very well and I ended up with a lot of things that mama and the little girl do, but I had to cut them because, you know, it needs to be shorter. <laughs> so, right. Indeed. Yes. Well, that's what, that's what we were wondering. So mm-hmm. writing picture books is very different than writing YA. <laughs> How did you feel as you were trying to write this picture book after having written so many, you know, YA novels? How was that different for you? What was that like? It just, it feels like an entirely different thing to me. It like, it doesn't even... I, one doesn't even inform the other really in my experience. Like, I think, I don't know that I would have been able to do it if I didn't have a child because I, I kind of forgot what it was like to be a kid until I was kind of reliving it alongside my daughter. So that really helped me remember what it's like to, you know, just be a child in the world, like just to be so small in the world and at a different eye level and like all of these little, you know, differences Um, to be like totally, you know, powerless at so many times about your circumstances. Like this little girl has no say over whether, you know, a parent leaves town for work or not. And yeah, I was just really kind of thinking about a life of a child. And of course, like I think about my characters when I'm writing YA, but 
it feels so different because I have so much room to work. I have a pl whole plot arc that I'm thinking about. And here I, there is a little plot arc for sure, but I was much more concerned with trying to be authentic and, you know, really honor that experience. And, and so I think the main, you know, as I mentioned earlier, like I did write it in a very like prose form with too many words. So that I think is a holdover from my novel writing. But then once I learned like, oh, I should break it up and cut it down and write it more like a poem than like a story. Um, mm -hmm. That's when it really clicked for me. And um, I've written a couple other picture book manuscripts and now I just go straight to that short line. <laughs> Perfect. <format>. Yes. So <laughs> yeah. do you have any writing tips that you want to share with our listeners? It feels funny to give tips because I feel like such a novice in this arena, but I think that, you know, the main one is just what I learned from my long John Muir tangent, um, <laughs> which was, which is to always trust that your story is enough and to not feel like you have to disguise it or make it something different. We, we find so much comfort in reading stories that have emotional resonance for us. Like when we experience something and then we see the author and illustrator's own version of that experience reflected back to us, it's really moving and wonderful. And so you know, always trusting that if there's something that's important to us, like let's, let's write it. And then the other thing that I learned, which is going to be very obvious for, um, I'm sure the listeners of your podcast, but it's to leave so much room for the illustrator, which was so different for me. I'm used to having to convey a whole world. Right. And here I was very conscious that I was only conveying a part of it. And and so that was really fun and a huge challenge to, to exercise restraint in that way. <laughs> and like, I, I don't, I think I had maybe one or two illustration notes in this text. It wasn't something okay. that I was, I was very spare with my illustration notes because I didn't want the illustrator to have a lot of, you know, license to do whatever they wanted. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was a challenge for me. It's, it's hard to go from novel writing where you have complete control over what something looks like to right. uh, um, just a feeling of kind of like a joyful surrender. Like, Here's <laughs> what I have, make of it what you will. <laughs> yes, it's a true collaboration. Yeah. Well, with the novels, it's just you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful collaboration. So <laughs> when someone reads this book, what do you hope they feel or learn? I hope that they feel that it's okay for things to feel really hard and it's okay to be really sad about a change. And it's also okay to be really happy when sad things are going on. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, I think, the book really embraces kind of the bittersweet feeling of missing someone who, you know, in, in this context, I, I chose to kind of stay in the realm of missing someone who will return, something that you will see again one day, you know. Um, but not only because there is the scene with the other classmates and 
and um, we have poor Chloe whose cat ran away, you know, and she's missing that cat and you know, may never see that cat again. <laughs> so, you know, I think, I think it's, it's about the universality of feeling like, you know, someone or something is missing and, and also the specialness and finding comfort in another person who understands what you're going through. So I just hope people feel less alone and, you know, whatever and whoever it is that they're missing. A big thank you to Nina for joining us today and giving us a look into the creative process for Mama and Mommy and Me in the Middle. Check out the show notes to learn more about Nina and her other fabulous books. Don't forget to follow the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And we would love it if you would leave a review. Thanks for listening and happy looking. Picture Book Look is produced by Kirsty Call and Kim Chafee. Music by James Call. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.